Welcome to the podcast maneuver, the officially unofficial podcast for Star Trek Picard on Paramount Plus. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about season two, episode 10. It's the finale titled Farewell. Uh, Aaron, did, how, did this episode farewell in your opinion? You know what? I, I'm going to be generous. I like this episode more than I liked any other episode, save like the first one and a half. Uh, cool. and I didn't even think okay. I have a big problem season uh, episode two because I'm like I'm still expecting a fun uh-huh. romp and that was kind of fun but yeah uh, I kind of liked lots of things and, and I, I, I like the, st- the end with Picard and Q mm-hmm. being friends and hugging each other was the ending of a much better arc Yeah, but just because those two are those two and because of the 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 way they're saying it and because they're the characters, it still kind of worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, big ups, big, big ups to Will Wheaton for yeah. playing a giant okie doke on us all, selling that sad Star Trek boy that like, yeah, it kind of sucks. They got the whole crew together, but I guess I'm being left out. Aw, gee, I'm sitting in my on my Twitter corner writing fan fiction to make myself feel better. Like, you, you fooled me. Mm-hmm. You fooled me, brother. You got me. Uh, there's a lot of schlocky, stupid shit. Um, uh, a lot of those big speeches that don't work, but the stuff with class, this is why I'm holding out hope for next season, even though I'm an idiot. Uh, the, the, the classic characters saying sincere lines to each other or reprising the kind of roles that they had work for me. Yeah. Um, what did you think? I'm very much on the same page. I found myself, uh, sort of moved by the ending with Q um, because this is a bit of vulnerability you never get from him. Um, And I I think with like one exception when he becomes human temporarily. Um, Yeah. And, and tying it back in with, you know, this new trauma that we're discovering Picard has had all along. uh, I think it worked out pretty well. And and like I hinted at with the, um, the, the feedback podcast, for 209 uh i i do think they were able to turn picard's trauma into something that i can largely get behind as far as like how you might heal from something like this right examining it and then realizing that you know your life is not over yet and all these things and and then getting the second chance and i thought that moment he has with uh not not talon is that can, can we call her not talon I, uh, I, I did I say I'd forgotten Laris, and so yeah. my notes are she's now not Talon. <laughs> right. Uh, the moment we have between them, I think, at the end is very good as well. Yeah. It's just like the road has been very bumpy getting here. The destination yes. feels feels pretty good, though. That's why this nostalgia shit works. Like, we talk about this in The Walking Dead all the time. Like, we decried events in season six and season seven for how ham-fisted and poorly written and out of character but three seasons on, they can kind of lazily gesture towards it. And you're like, oh, yeah, character development. Um, and it works like that, like a charm when it's involving Picard. So, yeah, this season uh, has been like traveling overseas. Like you're all excited about like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to go over to the French <laughs> Riviera. Right. And I'm going to see Chateau Picard when I get there. Yeah, and you're yeah. excited about that. Then you get on the plane and it's a 12 hour, 16 hour ride. And you're sitting next to the sweatiest smelliest person you've ever uh, encountered and then you get there and you can take your shoes off you can lay on the 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 airbnb bed and you can feel better about having made it 
I see you took the plane. I got stuck on a slow boat and it was rough seas. I was throwing up. It made me seasick, uh, like really (laughs) bad smells. We got stuck in the Sargasso Sea for God knows how many weeks, just aimlessly drifting. I missed my connection, if that makes you feel any better. I got scurvy. A couple teeth fell out. But yeah, once I got to Chateau Picard, it was a pretty good time. (laughs) And got your dental work done, apparently. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think I said I was I was amazed at how often I smiled in this episode despite myself. And that's, again, why I'm holding it, because even if they fuck it up so bad next year, it's still going to be Patrick Stewart sitting across from Michael Dorn and Gates mm-hmm. McFadden. And it's probably going to be pretty fun. Uh, I, I kind of want them to put I, I think one of the things that has been problematic this season is them not having a stable base of operations that you can come back to. And this is what I've been thinking about with, with the format of the old Trek, right? Star Trek, the next generation always had the, the ready room. It had the bridge. It had these locations where like the crew comes together. Yeah. And, and can just be the crew. Whereas this has been trying to tell a more uh, evolving story here. And I feel like it has been lacking in that place where the crew can come together and have these conversations and, and deal with the issues that they're dealing with. Um, yeah. So you couldn't really do a week, week by week, uh, episodic sort of thing. You had to do the serialized stuff because it, the show necessarily hung all of its characters on that skeleton of, of episodic serialized television. I, I I'm kind of hoping we get some sort of stability in season three with all these crew members, like give us a ship, that they can be on, give us encounters that they can deal with on shorter terms. I'll, I'll, I'll be much happier if they do that, but I'm not holding out hope for it. Yeah. And as we mentioned in the feedback, and I know not everyone listens to the feedback shows. Uh, I do think if I'm being ultra generous that the COVID restrictions probably impacted the show a lot, maybe even more than most, because again, you got an 88 year old man. Yeah. If this show kills him, a national, tre- multiple national treasures, uh, then I, I, you know, like does the amount of like ill will that you would get would be just immense. So like they got to be careful. And I think some of those, like the fact that there's so much that does like this, like, well, just two people standing on a street in isolation, uh, the, the, the disconnected nature of like the combat and stuff. I I think that some of that didn't impact it. Um, and maybe next year again, knock on, Knock on wood that the viral loads stay stay low and the vaccine still hold and the, the and the variants don't vary. Uh, maybe they can get by with a little bit more, you know, like 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 not have mm-hmm. as many of those restrictions. But I also don't want to, you know, just because this has been somewhat positive. I also want to say like there was an enormous amount of stupid shit in this episode, and none oh, of sure. the things like like not none nothing that happened this uh, particular episode justified. The eight episodes, the, the, the nine episodes preceding it. Um, there was sure. a lot of just wrongheaded things from my point of view that didn't quite work. But yes, because I love Patrick Stewart and I and I, I love John Delancey, uh, a surprising amount of it at the end worked. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, maybe we should get into the recap. Yeah, let's do it. First, let's take a quick break. getting geared up for the 6th annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. 
Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. All right, we pick up where we left off last episode with everyone pondering the Tubernays paradox. Uh, Talon decides to beam into quarantine to watch out for Renee, as she describes it. And when she does, Picard steps into the transporter smoke with her and, and tags along. Uh, everyone else cloud. is left <laughs> left to dealt with soon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the significant... So I... The significant look between... Talon and Picard because Picard mm-hmm. instinctively knew she was going to sacrifice himself. I thought that was a pretty horseshit way to resolve the two par- the Picard paradoxes. To have her just be a holographic version yeah. of Renee. Yeah. Yeah. Like the board, I was expecting that's really something more time-based. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, I, I, I like my idea better of tying it to his nephew, Renee. Mm. Uh, a lot better like that the sacrifice somehow causes the fire or is the fire that kills his family in Chateau Picard I, I don't know I sure yeah, I didn't care for it that much yeah and I guess I was like well how are you going to sacrifice the other Picard because he's still going to be part of the show and what kind of timey wimey right. bullshit and is, is it going to feel like really hackneyed if, if he sacrifices himself and Q steps out into an all white room and just slow claps and like well done Jean-Luc I hear you're going by JL but this isn't better like this this no, hollow no. hollow disguise ugh. but anyway they setting it up they're setting it up this 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 here with the significant looks they are. Um, and yeah, this this next scene, we kind of understand Talon's uh, planning to sacrifice herself for Renee, but Picard doesn't want to let her and she won't allow him to decide her fate, though, which I kind of like, you know, this is standing up to a Picard who does try and control the fates of himself, uh, the, the the universe and everyone in it, um, at least as far as his scope extends. And I think that has been something that I've liked about Picard, but also something that could get in the way of having healthy relationships. Right. Yeah. And so for, for talent to say, look, you, your, 
you're fine to make your own decisions, but I make mine too. And you can't simply override what I want to do because you don't think it's the right thing or bend me to your will. Uh, I like that stuff. And this is kind of like, this is strikes true to Picard's, you know, I think character. He has been one that would not be willing to take risks with people's lives. He might do other and he is kind of like, yeah, you know, the buck stops here at the captain and he's doesn't have that relationship with, you know, she's not a crew member that he can order around um, right. and forced to do, you know, let him do the noble thing. So it did. Yeah. I thought it's, it's not bad. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they, they're desperately trying to, I, I did think it strained a bit when they're trying to make this about the broader theme of like, you can't save me any more than you can save your mother. Uh-huh. Uh, you don't get to control who you you lose, nor do you get to spare yourself the pain from other people's choices. That's pretty profound, you know, uh, a thought uh, as far as this this season of Star Trek's going. So, yeah, they're doing a lot of pretty heavy lifting with this scene. I they're hitting on a lot of aspects of Picard's character that I understand from the original series and that I understand now from this new series, um, all in one speech here, and I think it mostly works. I think they they like 90% of this really hits home for me. And the thing is, is like, I, I was thinking about this when I was driving back from my, cause I was thinking about what I was going to say about this episode and what sticks in my cross, because like a classic Trek did this all the time. Like Riker meets somebody falls in love with them, ready to ditch it all for, you know, the, the fate of this person's planet, because that's the way the episode of the week kind of structured. You believe things like, you know, Troy could meet a diplomat and fall wildly in love with him mm-hmm. in the space of 45 minutes. And that would have real emotional stakes, even though as a man at 45, I look back and be like, what the fuck was Troy getting so moony eyed over a person she just met? You know, like, yeah. Uh, and this show, it kind of undoes that because you got this 10 episode arc and it feels a little bit you know, they don't have that crutch of like, well, this is an episode of the week. And I'm like, well, who is Talon to Picard? Like literally if she didn't look like Laris, would he give a shit? Like, would we have this? Like, I can't let you do your mission. No, I don't think it works. So it's like, it's kind of like caught between those two extremes of episode of the week. Yeah. I buy Picard can have a fling with this Romulan lady versus like, man, they really didn't put in much effort into a relationship other than you look like a cursed person that mm-hmm. I I got got caught feelings for in between seasons. Yep. Like they didn't build that with Laris and then they're trying to like relaunch that from the what they didn't do with Laris with Talon and mm-hmm. but but yeah, if you if you close your eyes and pretend none of those are problems, it 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 works okay. Sure. All right, seven Rafi and Rios beam into Soong's house, but he's not there. He's actually at Mission Control. And he's going to launch drones to take out Renee's rocket. And they, they is, start to go over these. Hmm? Who is the audio file playing for? Us, the audience, so they can they can uh, I, give like a 10 second surprise that he's not there. I was trying to figure that out. Like, were they somehow listening in to his location and knowing that he was there because they heard his voice? I, they yeah, made it clear I, that I they were homing it. in on the drones. The, his uh, his drone plot. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why that's playing. Like, yeah, yeah, doesn't make a lot of sense. Whatever. Maybe I just didn't pick up on what they're doing there. But maybe, maybe. I don't yeah, know. it does seem like a trick played on the audience for a moment. Uh, anyway, the systems are encrypted. They can't shut down the drones. They're launching in four minutes. Um, 
Rafi says, look, I can't disable these through software, but I might be able to get uh, some manual control over them. And so she starts in on that. Uh, this is, you mentioned in the season nine feedback uh, episode that this show is editing like it's on speed um, back and forth, back and forth. This is one of those episodes. We get to a point with these drones where they're going to drones and Soong and Picard and Renee and Rios, like everybody's involved and they're cutting fast and furious between them. I don't know how to recap that. I'll do my best, but we'll see how it goes. And we talked about, um, man, how I've seen recently some excellent examples. We, we talk about how well they do that on uh, A Quiet Place. What was the other one where we just watched a movie where they cut, or, or maybe it was a series. Oh, it was uh, Severance. Oh, my God. Severance does this so yes. well. Yeah. But I like all these techniques that are trying to ramp up the tension. I'm feeling nothing. I'm feeling mm-hmm. nothing. Uh because there are no real stakes, you know, the Picard's not going to lose. He's not going to die. Renee's not going to die. Right. Cause she's got it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like there, the, these techniques don't work. If the underlying tension is not there, uh-huh. or at least they don't work on me. It's just annoying. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so Talon pretends to be a member of the Europa mission and sneaks her way into, uh, I, I think, the mission control area. It's hard to tell. They're, they're on the campus the whole time, but uh, she's trying to get closer to Renee. Also, like, I, so I, I thought it's like, this is weird that they're launching rockets from L.A., but I guess mm-hmm. SpaceX and some of these private industries do launch from facilities in California. So maybe it's not that okay. weird, but it is what it is funny because like there's a lot of like just really lack security. And they're like, well, they they break the quarantine on the day of the launch. I'm like, really? They're not worried about the astronauts coming out in a strep throat the day of? Like, that doesn't make any goddamn sense. And security yeah. is just so lax. Like, it's less it's less secure than your average, like, Walmart f- or Amazon fulfillment center. Like, oh, you got a uniform and a badge? We're not going to look in the fact that you don't look anything like this person. And, you know, you got I, a I mean, maroon the- suit, so it's good. You're good to go. The bigger issue in my mind is you're transporting in. Why not just transport into her room? Yeah. Why are you bothering going through security and disguising yourself anyway? Just fucking transport outside her door or not. There's no excuse. Like, There's no excuse that matches because like, oh, well, we don't know where she's at. Bullshit. You watched her every moment of her life. You've seen her go into her ready room a million times. It's labeled on the door. Like, right. Yeah. So why are we padding out? Are we padding out a full <laughs> hour of television here? Uh, I heightened drama for like a second like that's the thing these are all like flash in the pan moments that don't amount to anything right like they're just there to give you a momentary ooh, exactly and it doesn't hold up on second watch especially but right. like even on first, cause, cause like the other thing's like well well she doesn't want to reveal if she's a watcher well she does anyway and she right. explicitly yeah. knew that that was her plan I'm going to violate my most sacred yeah. duty to save her because that's the only way but and that doesn't even track because she could have just intercepted soon with her hollow disguise without meeting Renee. That was a very selfish action that has a high beam, probability of changing the future. Could she beam soon out? Just beam him into a field mm. somewhere? I mean, she could, yeah, there, there's a million different ways to attack this with a transporter that don't involve yeah. going, sneaking your way through security by stealing a disguise. It's yeah, presumably much more sophisticated transport and holograph technology than the Federation has right. uh, now that we know who she's affiliated with. But yeah, what do I know? 
I'm just a classic track fan. <laughs> All right. Soon uses his uh, donations to the Europa mission as leverage to get a face to face with Renee. But Talon gets to her first. Uh, Renee knows she's not supposed to be here. Talon, uh, though, gets Renee to trust her by telling her some intimate details of her life and the times that they've interacted during her, her time on Earth. Uh, she says she's her guardian angel and that her life depends on trusting her. Yep. That's what happened. <laughs> I, I'm glad Renee. Here's the other thing. I, I I mean, they needed this to happen because she was going to reveal that she's a watcher anyway. But like, I'm glad Renee doesn't just buy this flimsy bullshit from Talon when she says, oh, yeah, I'm Maya, whatever. Maya Orlando or whatever her name mm-hmm. is. She's like, no, you're not her. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like worse shows, they'd have her believing that right up until the moment that uh, she reveals herself to be a watcher. Yeah, it doesn't. It makes because I was wondering the same thing. It's like, how the fuck are you not going to recognize, you know, right. your fellow crewmate? What the shit? Um, also, uh, the or perils all the of alternates. Pri- yeah. Plus the perils of a private sp- space flight. I'd like to see soon try this on a NASA launch. He get a rifle butted in the face by a Marine military police sentry so fast, like pulling this like, how much? Uh, I thought my donations would as he uh, it's just so. And and it was it was also just a poorly written and acted scene. Like Brent Steiner just just like for no reason to start to act like a massive asshole. And this administrator has no powers like there's no security. There's not like, well, I guess he, yeah. he donated a lot of money. So let's put the fucking mission at risk. What if he's got. Cove, I don't know. I mm-hmm. it's it's dumb. It's dumb, especially because, like you said, everything was just so flimsy and it didn't stand up to scrutiny anyway. Mm-hmm. All right, then the drones launch as Rafi tries to gain manual control of them, and Picard just kind of watches soon traverse the campus from a distance. Uh, anything to say about that, or should we just keep rolling? Uh, no. Okay. Uh, Renee runs to Soong, who poisons her with a fatal neurotoxin. Turns out uh, that's not actually Renee. That's Talon wearing a Renee hollow face. And she decides she, uh, or sorry, she dies, but tells Picard that it was all worth it and that he needs to forgive himself for the lives he couldn't save. Uh, specifically hers, too. Your guilt must have saved entire planets. You can't succumb to the all the reasons we fall back on to not tell the people that we love. The person that looks exactly like me in the future, you need to tell her you love her. You need to tell her you love her, JL. I, th- th- there is one part of this that I like. The absolve yourself or the only life left unsaved will be your own. I I, I like that. I mean, it's a... It's a yeah, they, pot- they patted themselves on the back when they came up with that one. Right, and then they... And then they proceeded to write nine episodes before this around it that were loosely getting to that point. And I think like if you want to track it, if you condense this down and you take out all the bullshit from this series, I think it tracks mm-hmm. fairly well. But I don't know. I, I really just can't forgive the waste of time that was most of season two of Picard. Also, like Picard finds Renee and dying and he's like, oh, the shuttle's launched. Let's see. Sh-. Like. How stupid are you that they're going to... This is their mission specialist. They're going to blast off without her? What's like? 
so Picard's like he's Renee's dying in her arms he's like here let me get you to a skylight look up so you can see the mission leaving without you she's their mission specialist right this isn't like a fucking greyhound that's like well seven o'clock I guess uh, we still got a ticketed passenger it's just all like they would delay the launch I I thought that was the big uh, yeah but Picard's like oh no I don't know it seemed it's again it seemed pretty stupid to me yeah I mean he has a, a lapse in reason in that moment sure uh, uh, do we talk about Rios, uh, the actual plan to, to disable the drones? We're about to. You want okay, to get to let's that? talk about that. Yeah. All right. Um, they gain control over the drones, manual control, and then Rios being the one pilot of the drones among them. Yeah, one of the drones um, being the pilot among them crashes, crashes all of them by smashing his manually controlled drone into the automatically controlled drones uh, and the rocket launches with Renee aboard. Can someone explain to me how the fuck this works? How do you rock and sock and robots one drone into three? Just like because I thought they're going to have weapon systems like he was going to have like some kind of laser blast or, you know, because Dr. Soon's technology is a little bit advanced or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he just literally demolition derbies these drones, you know, like like a 21st century hover drone. Well, he's that good of a pilot to where he can crash an automatic drone without he can compensate faster than a computer can compensate for changes in trajectory. And man, if he, if he gets a drug and nicks one of his rotors and tumbles out of the sky after taking one or maybe two of them out, but nope, he's able to do all three. And it's just, again, it's a dumb. And the, and the, the, the special effects, not great, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, the special effects in this entire series, let alone this episode <laughs> are shaky at best. Yeah. I, there's a particular shot where it's like, it's really bizarre because every time they want to transition from a, a scene that should be a set into a scene that is not a set is just CG. They have to make the scene that should be a set into a CG thing so they can zoom out of it. And there's this shot of the atrium at the end, which we'll talk about when we get there. That is like the poster child for that. Mm. Um, But yeah, I, I think the, the effects were shaky. It's fine because a lot of stuff is moving fast in these scenes. I don't I don't think it falls apart here, but it will later. All right, Soong has trashed his lab as he watches Renee uh, report from her mission. Uh, then all the files on his computer begin deleting themselves, and it turns out that not Soji is hacking in from her terminal somewhere in the library, I think. She says <laughs> it's for her sisters. I want to believe that that was LeVar Burton's ask. Look, I'll come back for next season, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I we need a win. A they they the took libraries. Jeopardy from me. I got to have this. It's got to be set in a library. You got to set something in a library. I got to remind kids about the joy of reading. And this was their yeah. <laughs> this was their acquiescing to his demand. <laughs> I think so. Um, and, and yeah, and it probably also deleting all these digital files, right? He doesn't want kids reading on their iPhones, on right. their Kindles. He wants kids reading Kindles hardcover. don't count. Audiobooks yeah. don't count. LeVar Burton is not. I actually don't think that's true. I think he's probably, <laughs> probably not. Probably a yeah, fan of I reading. I imagine he's a he's a, a reading purist uh, yeah. to the extent that he doesn't consider reading ebooks or listening <laughs> to audiobooks as real reading. It'd be funny right. if he's a hardliner, though. <laughs> it would be funny. Yeah. I said, take a look, motherfucker. It's in a book. I didn't say give give a listen. <laughs> Uh, and then the, the the big the big connecting tissue here for all of Star Trek, 
uh, happen. There are two moments in this episode, in fact, that connect us back to the larger Trek. This is one of them. Soon turns out the only file that he has ever printed hard copy of <laughs> is the, the, perhaps the most sensitive of data. Uh, the project yeah. con, he pulls this manila folder out, says project con on the front. This is something that people had speculated about in previous sure. episodes that all this genetic research could be tied into the con, uh, wrath of con. And yeah, turns out everyone was right. Yeah. Those butterfly flaps really, really impactful. I, I, I laughed out loud. Cause it's, I mean, I thought it was a fun idea that this would eventually the genetic experimenting would lend, you know, lend itself to the con stuff, but like, not like this, not like just literally a big yellow folder labeled con. Right. And like you said, it's the only thing that he, you know, his whole office is just not the digital files with no backups, no offsite backups. He doesn't, you know, have anything in Iron Mountain. He's got no, no Mm -hmm. tapes that he can go retrieve because that, that would be the funny thing. Like, you know, if he's like, oh shit, you deleted my live files. Well, I'm going to go restore from backup. It's just Project Con and it's a manila folder Mm -hmm. with like no more than 10 pieces of paper in it. Right. It's it's manifestly an empty file, but that's like it's almost like it, it, it's it's the equivalent of finding like a post-it note on his monitor that said con like. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But whatever. Yep. Yep. They had to tie it back in. I, I don't know. It's a little silly. Anyway, uh, then not Soji gets a message on her computer inviting her to an address. And when she shows up there, she finds the traveler, Wesley Crusher. Will Wheaton shows up in this episode. He tells her all about what travelers do, keeping the fragile tapestry of the universe from unraveling. And he offers her a choice, a normal life or everything else. Uh, But in that everything else scenario, he can't guarantee her safety. She chooses that scenario anyway, and he makes her a traveler. I I assume. I assume he makes her a traveler. I don't know. They both beam out together. Well, yeah. I mean, let's talk about that. Let's get into True it. or false? The only reason they came up with the watcher motif is because if they said traveler, then we would be like, "Oh, Will Wheaton's in this." Obviously, I, I mean, yeah, a hundred percent true. That's the only reason you would have like if like a welcome to the travelers, but you're a watcher, right? No, it's Travel- uh, it's you- <laughs> it's so and there's a there's a middle management layer also between sure, them. the supervisors, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how how powerful are travelers uh, in the canon here? Can they just not keep track on enough people? I, I guess, you know, the universe is a big place. You probably have a shitload of watchers out there. They're very powerful. They can authorize expense reports and paid time off. Yeah. Uh, and they can mm-hmm. fix your time card if you forget to clock in to the, to the right. time continuum. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, this is almost worth the ex- like extreme fanboy shit that they have him doing on the after shows. Uh, the fact that he gets back into Star Trek, and I, like I said, I, I like I don't not like Will Wheaton. I think the character he plays uh, that he's forced to play and his role as geek ambassador is kind of kind of annoying. I don't I don't think that's really Will Wheaton, um, but it's cool. It's cool that he's back in Trek. That they acknowledge the fact that he's a traveler. Yeah. Um, I do. It, it is a little silly that like this is kind of like the Will Smith thing in Men, Men in Black. So if you don't even get a night to consider it, just like right now, you mm-hmm. enter you out. Are you are you you in in this cosmic tapestry saving uh, clandestine organization that spans the cosmos or you just want because like, again, she's a, a child who's never left the house. 
That's what I'm thinking. Like of all people, of all people to come make a traveler of you're choosing this genetically altered paper bag. Like she's nothing. She's nothing in this show. Why is she even in this show? I think there's like, cause like, like Will Wheaton got officially inducted into the traveler society in the middle of a, like a Maquis rebellion, like a proto Maquis rebellion of that native American planet that like, and like the traveler stop time. And like maybe it's mm-hmm. the idea is like you rescue like you, like the travelers recruit from kind of like the Allison Pill Borg approach like they recruit from people who are like doomed and taking final last stands that have mm-hmm. you know maybe there's some genetic predisposition to something because there was something to that too like Will Wheaton was special or I'm sorry Wesley Carsha was special because of like some kind of like almost mystical genetic mental component that allowed him to phase out and in and out like that so I don't mm-hmm. know. But it's I, a hell just of a, like, it's, and Soji just not Soji just jumps in with both feet. I, the problem I have is not necessarily like oh he he wouldn't go help you know people who are unfortunate here uh, need their situation altered. My my thing is this character just sucks. This character just sucks. Like I don't I don't care about this character. It's right. only only the fact the only thing interesting about this character is that she looks like a character we already knew. And Which this wasn't is a an mistake of the show, by the way. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a hell of a lot more interesting than what we yeah. had here. Like, at least yeah. she was like the last of a dying race of androids that were under attack from all civilization. It's it, this character sucks. This character is nothing, in my opinion, and they don't spend enough time on her to make her into anything. And uh, other than just like a person who wants to have a life, and that's fine. I just we don't spend any time with her. Also, how is she ever going to live here. a perfectly normal life on the lamb from this powerful, evil scientist? She has no social security card, no identity. She's going right. to come. She's going to she's going to come fully sprung in L.A. and She doesn't even exist. She's undocumented. Like, I don't think she's going to have a, a normal life, dude. No, as someone who didn't have a normal childhood, I would say right. uh, that follows you. You know, it's not it's not even like, oh, you can be a perfectly well-adjusted person because you can totally. The thing is, like, every time you meet somebody new and they ask about your past, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm a genetically altered uh, mm. test tube baby. That And my father is an ego, uh, egomaniac. And, uh, like, the baggage that comes with that is going to, yeah, make your the rest of your life not what I would consider normal. A little bit, seems like. A little bit. Speaking of trauma <laughs> and the difficulty of healing from same. Forming mm-hmm. relationships, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be challenging for her. I think so. Uh, all right, Rios has gathered all the future tech he could find, and they talk about how they're gonna adjust to life in the twenty first century now that they're stuck here. Uh, what about all the Borg corpses, dude? What about all the <laughs> Borg corpses? Did you get all the nanites out of their blood? Did you get right? Yeah, maybe he he did. He collected. He's just got bags of blood, <laughs> just on the floor. You can't see him. Just filled, filled bags. Yeah, he sucked all the blood out of these boards. Trash bags he's, full of there's blood. A, there's this there's a giant like crash area that's like a half mm-hmm. a mile long, surrounded by Chateau Picard that looks like it came from space. Shell casings yeah. from hell to breakfast. Yeah, there's there's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of forensic uh, work to be done on Chate- Chateau Picard, but. Maybe not. Totally. Maybe maybe Khan's about to rampage to the gal. That's what's happened. The eugenics war, World War Three is about to break out. It's going to cover all. That's what that would have been a better thing. It's like, well, 
we've we laid the seeds for better tomorrow, but it's going to be a rut and like all this is going to be erased in the fires of war. Yeah, it's like two <laughs> years or something. Or yeah, man. Two, two to four years. I don't I don't know how long it is. It really puts uh, an interesting spin on Guinan's prosaic uh, pronouncements of how Rios lived the rest of his life, because that's I don't think the rest of the 21st century canonically is going to be a walking apart, guys. Right. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. But boy, can you retcon the timeline like that when you're when you're trying to preserve the timeline that, you know? Yeah, I don't think so. Anyway, everybody else is fine with staying in the 21st century because he's got his family. Uh, Seven's okay, even though she has Borg implants. Uh, I don't know. She's just fine with that. And I guess people will just think that's body mods. In Dude, the I was just saying, I, like, uh, there's not enough foundation in the world to cover up that eyebrow, girl. It's not no. going to, you know, like, you got to come up with a cover story. Yeah. I, I'm a transhumanist. Uh, I think this just looks really cool. And yeah. so I got these body mods installed. I don't know. Maybe she's just a professional, just styles herself as a professional cosplayer. You know, there you go. There you go. Just, just, just test out a new look for Comic-Con. That's what she always says. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in the timeline of modern day 21st century, right? So presumably Star Trek exists. Yeah. And she exists. Maybe she can just go like slip back into, uh, you know, being seven of nine on a television show. I wish I bought the chemistry between Seven and Rafi because I and or li- liked Rafi at all because like there is something uh, again I think I thought in isolation it worked her like trying to be, play it cool like mm-hmm. oh just because we're stuck here and I've been like super over the moon about it doesn't mean that we have to get together and it's going to be cool and like Seven just like kisses her and is like ah fuck it I thought that would be kind of cute but like I just I don't see it man I, I like the kiss because it says more than just like we'll be okay it says like I don't know it says calm down <laughs> calm the fuck down like I, I see what you're doing here and it's bullshit Spiraling. and I know it's yeah. bullshit and you know it's bullshit let's just be a couple for a little while and it tells her that there's still going to be a couple right it's yeah it, I, I like that moment it's better than any line they could have given her sure anyway Picard puts the skeleton key back into the hole in the wall for his future childhood self to find and then Q shows up and congratulates him on forgiving himself. And Picard has a quick conversation with him here where he asks, why me? And Q explains that he's dying alone and he doesn't want the same fate for Picard. Um, He claims Picard's now free, unshackled from his past decisions. And Picard's like, well, why does any of this matter? It's uh, if it's not cosmically significant, what does it matter? And Q says it's, it only matters to him because Picard matters to him. And doesn't need to be of universal significance. And he says he's got one last surprise in store. I mean, they play it straight. Like, we were like, what? How is this very personal thing with Picard going to? And it it was all a ruse of Q to do two things. Once one to pay back his uh, uh, his old friend. And I do like the way Mm -hmm. that they. Like Q is played as almost like a Greek god. He's he can be jealous. He can be venal. He can be spiteful and petty. But he also, you know, it takes a shine to 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 every a person every once in a while. That Perseus guy, he just uh, I just like the cut of his jib. I'm gonna I'm gonna lavish some extra attention, both good and bad, on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that's fine. I think the Q continuum uh can 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 be eclectic like that. Uh, yeah, and it's just it, out there trying to make friends, right? <laughs> yeah, and like I said, I I think I just like I said, this is this is the season finale of a better season. 
And it's amazing that this stuff works totally. just because, like, I kind of want it to. Like, there is something a little almost fan fiction-y fan service about Q just loving Picard and wanting what's best for him. And and also selfishly not wanting to yeah. die alone because he's yeah. scared. And the rest of Continuum are assholes and he's got no one else to turn to. Um, yeah, I liked I, it. I mean, I'd say what you want about the road that we took to get there, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Is Was the juice worth the squeeze here mm. for you? No, I, 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 but like since the juice is the, the meager juice is there, I'll drink it. But no, like okay. I think they yeah. could have done this better. And in fact, I think it's even this scene is a little rough because Cube starts off with the whole sneering affect like, bravo you've fell in dead you've left the key for the little boy who's sitting in the sunroom to come out into the darkness and uh, and then by the end he's like can can can, can, can maybe i get a hug it's but <laughs> you know I, I feel like they and also like i don't know they've they've also portrayed q as being like mentally ill or not all there when he's actually just dying so like i still would love for someone to tell me when Picard says you're not well, what he meant by that, because it, it doesn't, it's like, it really doesn't make sense to me. Like did, did, how did Picard, like, I don't know how he knows it. Yeah. Yeah. Like just said, like there's something off about your life force energy, but the way Picard is like, there's something wrong with you in like your affect, like you're talking crazy. And I never got that. And now I don't know what, what Picard was queuing on. Ha but yeah yeah i i feel you i mean i could certainly see like picard would be able to tell if there was something different about q and his mannerisms because he didn't have his powers because he was dying uh that would make sense but you're right i don't necessarily think that came across on screen and it's like to the extent this works like i just think of like man if this season had been just a little bit better and a little bit more fully baked and gelled like this might have gotten some tears uh, out of me uh, as it is, it just got kind of like smiled and like, yeah, this is feels, it feels like a Star Trek novel, feels like a semi canon kind of thing, but it's not something that I'm mad about, you know? Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I don't, uh, like you said, I, I don't think the juice was worth the squeeze, but yeah. I certainly felt, uh, that the juice was pretty tasty at the end. Uh, and just Q, wish I didn't have to uh, you know, like he forced to actually come out and say, like, you matter to me. You're the one you're special. Yeah. And he touches his face and says, I've just injected you the neurotoc. No, uh, gods have favorites. You're one of mine. Um, and he has one last surprise, I, which is going to send him back to the future, I guess. Well, I, I like how it ties into the rest of the stuff that's going on with Picard thematically, right? Because he's got this complex where, like, everything has to be universally significant. Otherwise, why even do it, right? He's always pushing himself to do the, the, to, to interfere in, in universal events, right? You can see that even in season one. He just comes in and interjects himself into this scenario where he's not really wanted or needed, Um in in the moment, but then he kind of creates a niche for himself in there to be needed. And I think like for Q to come and say, look, this doesn't have to have some kind of grander significance. This can just be a human being caring for another human being. That's all there is to it. And that matters. Uh, it's, it's something that, yeah, Picard with his detachment from even the people who are closest to him and his crew probably needs to hear and it felt it felt like a big moment for picard it 
you know, and, and getting there was rough. But I, I when we finally got there, I really felt this moment and I liked it. Now, we've even talked about this. Like, it's never really made sense about why Q had the fixation with Picard and the Enterprise. And like, even especially the encounter fair at Farpoint was such a, you know, minimally impactful thing. And it's, you know, grand scheme of things. This that like that little right. puzzle of the week that they solved. But now it's like, you know, you can imagine like maybe Q took an interest to Picard like a much earlier date. Or maybe he's even been in. Uh, Curious about this Picard bloodline, this 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 uh, you know this 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 long history of explorers and curious people, wounded people that can continue to grow and aspire for more, and was everything that the Q continuum wasn't. Uh, so, like I said, it it does make a it does make a lot of sense, and I I wish this was the show that was worth the squeeze. I wish this I wish yeah. I wish this just fully paid off the potential of having John Delancey and Picard's or Patrick Stewart standing on a stage again and it didn't, but they're still awesome enough in his characters and his actors that it worked pretty well. Yeah. I also love the, the recontextualizing contextualizing of everything Q has done as like, this is his way to make friends. Like this is the equivalent of him sitting down on a bar stool with somebody and having a beer is like yeah. running them through this fucking gauntlet for multiple years and showing up and, tan- uh, just constantly antagonizing them. Yeah. He's a little boy that's pulling Picard's metaphorical pigtails because he doesn't know how else to express that he likes him, you know? And, and the time scale too, right? Like this is literally like the the amount of years that this has been going on is like a conversation for five minutes that he would have with someone he just met, you know, it's like the the scale, their two experienced scales of time are so different. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, interesting to think about all the ways this recontextualizes their relationship i I feel like a smarter show also would have come up of a way to like explain why q is dying and maybe tie it into the big subspace riff so it's like it's like some kind of you know it takes a cosmic event to kill a q this is the one that's happening he knew it was happening and because he loves humanity and picard he engineered so like his death would mean something and also his like it's right right there all the pieces are there instead of not Talon or whoever instead of not Laris. Yeah. Well, there's additional one, but like the fact that he's willing sure. to like, uh, it, it's maybe it's even inevitable. It's like, well, this is the thing that's going to kill me and it's all foreordained, but like I, I, there's a way that I can maneuver events and guide people with the help of my old foe Guinan. Like we cook this. I don't, I don't know. I felt like there's there, there, they, this has been the, the story of the season. There's there's pieces there they could have better put to use if they had a little bit more time or they took a little bit more care in doing it. But for sure. All right. Um. So, so there's another component to this scene. Like we get, you know, Q's final act here. He decides to send everyone home. Uh, everyone except for Rios, that is. And he explains that, you know. Rios, that is, explains that he never belonged in the future, but he's home now in the 21st century. He's got his family here with him. Uh, Everyone says goodbye to Rios, and then Picard says goodbye to Q with a big hug. Q snaps him back to the beginning of the season. And we'll we'll kind of stop here for a second before we talk about the the auto-destruct Borg stuff. Uh, what do you, you think of Rafi pulling a wharf and trying to kill a god with her bare hands? Because that's that's wharf's move always. Like, uh, would you like for me to escort <laughs> sure. him off the bridge, Captain? And he's like, oh, sneer for me. You know, snarl for me, Klingon. Like, you know, it's a little kind of delusional, but I... I Sure, ah, she's Rafi, a loose cannon. That's, that's she her really thing. is. Yeah. She's the wild... She's the Charlie Day of this, of this outfit. And I kind of hate stupid, it. stupid, but in yeah. character's kind of stupid, right? Like, made sense for her. Um, 
I want to see her roll out the hatchback of a of a <laughs> of a shuttlecraft <laughs> full of full of barrels of gasoline next season. Wild card. <laughs> right. You mentioned I, I can't remember if it was in this podcast or the the season nine feedback episode how it, 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 the editing pace of this show just seems kind of like off the charts. They cut back and forth constantly. The editing is not particularly well done either. It's not There's for no reason or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is something weird going on in this scene. Um, if if it feels like they shot this scene twice and they don't have like a continuity person to say, hey, mm. uh, Rios didn't have that cigar in his hand the Dude, moment before. I, did you notice when when the cigar I shows did. up? It was it's so in my notes. jarring. It's in and, my notes. Where the hell? He, he pulls a cigar out of nowhere. And canonically, Q could give him a cigar. That's his move, man. <laughs> Put a cigar in his hand. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like, because uh, like, uh, that and it would have fit in with like, I've got a little bit of extra energy. I'm going to splash out. Here's a here's a cigar and I'm going to resurrect Eleanor. Either either something got cut here um, for for time or or some reason, or they just filmed the scene twice and there was no continuity between the shots. And in one scene, one take of it, he had a cigar. One take he didn't because it just appears in his hand. Or Rios just just keeps a cigar on hand, like he's just got like their stash all over him. Like he's just never. I, I guess so. Like there is a, a second or two where he could have pulled a cigar out of a pocket. It's, it's, the, but... it's the Will Smith victory dance. He was saving it for the end, and now he's 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 he saved the future, and he's ready to pull it out and smoke it. But I'm glad you also... noticed this because it was extremely jarring to me. From a butterfly, and I, they all say this is this is Scotty saying, you know, the, the justifying giving away transparent aluminum because who's to know? And this always bugged me because Scotty could probably look that information up. He's got a starship with with data banks that has all kinds of human history information. They make use of it earlier in the movie. Like it would have been such a smarter thing if if uh, when McCoy's like, I actually looked this guy up, and he's the inventor. If we're just giving him a six month boost. But no, it's 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 Scotty going, who's to know he didn't invent it? Like, I don't know. You're playing with human fucking all of human history, Scotty, maybe. Mm-hmm. But it's like Star Trek four is kind of a lighthearted. Com- I don't know. Yeah, like yeah. leaving the guy behind in the 21st century that's explicitly going to do shit. He's a man of action. He's 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 rampaging around the scene, saving people's lives and getting involved in wars and shit like mm-hmm. And they're like, well, who's to know this isn't how it always happened? Like, holy fucking casualty. Like, oh, God. <laughs> Time travel kids, not even once, according to Hawking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then, like I said, Q snaps everybody back to the very beginning of this season where Picard cancels the auto-destruct sequence, orders his people to stand down, and then reveals that Jurati is the Borg Queen. All this hemming and hawing over who is the Borg Queen, and we get down to Jurati. I think we we kind of saw this it was, coming in the last couple episodes. Yeah, but, I mean, by the time, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. I you'd have to be pretty slow for this to be a reveal, and they don't really play it as such. Like they get right to the point, you know? Yeah, they do. Yeah, which it, that's fine. Um, Picard asks Jurati why she's here, and they spot an anomaly in space that's going to destroy the quadrant unless Jurati can use the shields of the combined fleet to stop it. Picard gives Seven the Stargazer, and uh, I guess she's the captain now, acting captain, and then tells the fleet not to resist, which I think is a poor poor choice of words. I think Jurati said, don't bother. Resistance is futile anyway. Yeah, I thought the resistance (laughs) was kind of like cute, but in a weird way. Speaking of cute, 
There's the the answers the the questions on everybody's mind. How's my Girati syndrome doing? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Girati looks like a garbage pale kids version of Darth Vader, mm-hmm. and it is it's, completely it, cured. Completely cured. That that's a weird fucking <laughs> like. Okay, here's the deal. I have an enormous head. This is I'm not even joking. Like my motorcycle helmet is a custom made. 4XL Shoy. I, I have like an eight inch. If you know anything about hat size, I have an eight inch skull. It's insanely huge. When I lost my hair, I had to grow out the beard because this is the only thing that keeps my head looking like a human proportion. Uh, we, we were looking at pictures of me for where I shaved my beard last night or, and my head's uh-huh. just a perfect sphere. It's a perfect sphere. It's like Sputnik, you know, mostly spherical with pointy in parts. Uh, me and Alison Pill have that in common. Yeah. And when she's got not the hair to balance it out, it is. It's a cabbage patch head on a horrifying zombie fa- fa- uh, body. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not good. It's not it's, good. It's the most uncanny parts of the Robocop series. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, like Peter when, Weir's got the similar kind. He does yeah, have a little bit of a cabbage yeah. patch head. Yeah. Especially with all yeah. those, those robotics and shit going on. Yeah. It's for sure. If I ever get coming out of a facial alopecia and I lose this this beard, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to have to have oh, like man. cranial surgery or something because uh, it's just not good. A Merkin. A big old Merkin. <laughs> the Merkin. <laughs> it's American way. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's the update I'm going to hold. Now, I noticed that uh, just today we're recording this early. Um, it's kind of wild that she's saying this, but uh, Allison Pill confirmed that she's not part of season three of Star Trek Picard. Makes sense. Yeah, she's going to be the war yeah. queen. With the way we end this and being the watcher on the wall here. Uh, I kind of thought of that might, they said it was going to be an anthology and this season, next season is going to have nothing to do with this season, but I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe, because there's clearly a greater threat that's being contained here that they allude to, that there's there's more story to tell. I wonder if they're going to pull that that thread with any of the other Star Trek shows they're doing. Mm, but I've got the, a pitch for season three. Like, if you guys haven't already written this, I'm let's let's do this. You guys love anthologies, right? You like the the each season arc being sort of self-contained. What sure. if you did micro anthologies and each episode? And I know this is a novel and crazy concept. Each episode could be an anthology to itself within an episode, a larger like an anth- anthology, anthology of anthologies. Oh my yes. god! How about that, writers? <laughs> that would get you an Emmy for sure. Got to, got to. That's that's a that's 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 a that's a big that's a that's a big old hit coming down the Paramount Plus pipeline. You, you could I think spend it's something to look into. Forty two whole minutes exploring one topic. Imagine, yeah. then imagine move on to the next one. Wild. Let's try it. Season three. Here we come. Anyway, Dry takes over the fleet, creates a giant shield bubble. The Excelsior is a little off. And we go over there to see, oh, it's Elnor. He's the one controlling it. Uh, Q did Rafi a favor as well. Brought him back. Uh, The anomaly releases its energy, but the combined shields withstand it. And then the rift turns into a transwarp conduit, but they're not sure who created it. Jurati says there's a threat out there. The Borg wants to join the Federation to observe. And Picard thanks her. This all, like, I'll also say the last five minutes plays like, like extremely homeless man's version of Avengers Endgame, like this Elnor, okay. like yeah. uh, Ensign, you need to adjust your shields. It's just like like kind of on your left moment, but like it lands like a wet fart because I don't give a fuck about Elnor. Yeah, same here. I don't even know why he died. I don't know why. Picard, like I, I guess, ah, I guess El the real the real Elnor is brought back in with them and he died for real. 
and he was just going to yeah. stay dead. But Q is able to resurrect him with the last vestiges of his power. That he's saved by not taking Rios back. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. who the f- who 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 asks? Who cares? Not me. This honestly, this is all kind of stupid. They're going to contain the subspace rupture that conveniently is only going to come out in one dimension that they can they can stop with a like a, a net of a couple ships. Yeah, it seems like if that were the case, it wouldn't be able to destroy all life in the quadrant as they know it. Um, I don't understand why they just don't make a, a sphere formation. Like they could just fully contain around it. it. Yeah. I like I buy the board could do that with 400 years of, of, of prep, uh, you know, and they're supercharging their shields and all working together. Like I just thought like, this is very, very two dimensional thinking for <laughs> a star, a star show. Yeah, totally. Uh, a space show, I should and Picard, say. And Picard, or the, the Star Trek doesn't usually do that, right? They think in three dimensions, but eh, eh. they're little. Like I, I like the uh, the energy wave coming off of the Klingon home planet. Like I remember, like that's like that's not like turn her into the wave. What the uh, sometimes sometimes the nautical theme works like the submarine combat and Rathacon. Sometimes that's it what don't. I was thinking of. Yeah, sometimes it don't. They, they forget yep. that space is three dimensional. How, how do you feel about them turning? The Borg into good guys, turning the the major threat of all of Star Trek: The Next Generation into. I, I want to know because again, does, these people these people realize the Borg Empire is older than four hundred years, right? They have to certainly, uh, or maybe I've just fundamentally misunderstood that the Borg were upstarts in the Gamma Quadrant. But I want to see what happens when the kinder, gentler Gerardi with her ragtag group of whatever she's able to scavenge from here to the, the Gamma Quadrant gets to the Gamma Quadrant and the Borg give her the resistance's futile speech and they've got hundreds of cubes and she just wins? I mean, I guess Janeway kicked her ass for seven seasons, so Super <laughs> Gerardi right. with a Borg with a Super Borg I mean, cube. wouldn't there be a competing Borg queen at that point? That's like, what I'm saying! The yeah. ruthless one! The, right. That's that's got literally civilization, thousands of civilizations that she's assimilated. Yeah, I, I maybe maybe this is like uh, a scenario where she introduces this idea into the Borg collective consciousness and it takes over. Like yeah, a virus, that could be right? it. It's like a virus. Like, hey, no matter what you do, as long as you're these ruthless overlords, you've got the, the dictator problem, the dictator trap, yeah. which is someone's always going to want to kill you. The only way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she reasoned the Borg Queen into this philosophy, so presumably another Borg Queen Jurati combo could reason the Borg into it again. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It it all does stretch. The root beer. Uh, it's the belief. it's the Garrick's root beer analogy, or is that Quarks in Deep Space Nine where they talk about how the Federation's like root beer? I don't remember it's that. Sweet and saccharine, but insi- but insidious. Like once it's like it's like so disgusting, but you just keep drinking it, and it keeps tasting better and better, and. That's huh. uh, the, the, the Gerardi gave him the root beer and they couldn't resist the root beer of of uh, of of uh, cooperation. Yeah. All right. Let's go to Picard and friends uh, meeting with Guinan. This time it's uh, Whoopi Goldberg Guinan. She tells Picard the fates of everyone he left behind in the 21st century. And then Picard toasts to his family and then excuses himself. Uh, does this so here's one of the shaky CGI scenes I think um, apparently they don't want to do makeup effects on their aliens so they did a, C- a bad anime yes. avatar CG blue alien yes. is god awful looking Shockingly I've seen better bad. shit in modern video games a hundred times over it's yeah. 
Yeah, what what's with that? It'd been funnier if they just animated like a below the decks or, or the uh, what do sure. you call that below? The, yeah, just just put a cell, you know, just an, an traditional animated person standing there, like mm-hmm. uh, Roger Rabbit. It was yeah, it, it 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 caught my eye too, and the and not the good kind of way. No, not at all. I mean, um, God damn it! They did the cantina scene in Star Wars. Like, you can just get, you can just right? use foam rubber, guys. Right? They could have had like it's in the it's in the background too. Like this deliberately stood out, and I almost like I almost feel like they had a little bit like like Q had a little bit of power left over. They had a little bit of special effects budget because they skimmed so much, and they're like, you know, this bar scene, not alien enough. Of aliens. Yeah. Get get me a get me a praying mantis looking motherfucker in there in a Starfleet mm-hmm. uniform, and get they me did a it. emo emo avatar looking guy. Yeah, it's not good. Not good. No. Uh, we get to hear what happened to Rios, his fate. Uh, here's the thing. You were talking about how this like what she says of his life doesn't really jive with what we know of 21st century and Star Trek canon. How there's mm-hmm. going to be very, very soon going to be World War Three. All this all this horrible shit that's going to happen and up in society. The eugenics wars. Yeah. My guess is that like this Moroccan bar fight he got into and and took his last last breath into a cigar literally happens like the next week. Like he gets on a plane for Morocco the next day and <laughs> yeah. he just gets killed in a week. Also, and so he never the, makes it to the wars. The last his last breath into a cigar that he presumably never lit. Has anyone ever like if you said he sucked his last breath through a cigar, that would make sense. But I don't know. He just, I don't know. He breathed his last breath through. I don't know. I, I felt like he's blowing out. He's like blowing like this. This this man not. I mean, he's from the 24th century. Maybe he doesn't understand how cigars work. I mean, definitely like your last breath. Well, you're supposed to put the smoke in your lungs. Who the fuck <laughs> would do that? I'm just blowing it out. Like what? <laughs> right. I don't know. I mean, because your last breath has to come out, and if he's got a cigar in his mouth when he he inhales for the last time, it's going to come out through a cigar, I guess. Yeah. Did you get the Mariposa reference? I, the only reason uh, I did no, is because because of uh, Westworld, but that's Spanish for butterfly. Oh, Spanish for butterfly. Gotcha. Yes. Um, and then we get, get the it, final. Get it? Because they're the butterflies yeah. that can, are ending the space-time continuum, and they're making a big fucking joke about it. Sure. Uh, <laughs> all right. Oh, we're F- the butterflies. Final scene here. Picard goes back to the chateau and finds... This is Laris. This is actual Laris. Uh, about ready to leave. She's all packed up. She's in the atrium, which apparently she had time to restore. I don't. I guess that tells us enough time has passed here to restore the atrium. Um, and then he asks her for a second chance, and I think she agrees here. Yeah, I buy she can fix it. I mean, it's like it's this future, man. She can just like push a button, and nanites are going to do it. Or turns out this know. is all just a hologram, like her ears, and it's not actually restored. Right? It's just a hot. It's it's settled down because it's just a hollow emitter, right? But her yeah. bags are packed. You know, she's ready to go, and I don't know. Like I said, I I just. I don't know why anyone would care about him and Talon because they did not. This was not like they did a better. They they did. a. I know a lot of people talk shit about uh, Troy and Worf's relationship. But honestly, they set that up way better than this uh, off screen romance of her and and, uh, Picard were engaged in. But I guess I don't know. He's always been moony eyed over and 
her husband died and Romulans make it a point to just get over that shit, you know, no, no mourning over their loved ones. And, but they could have done so much more. I, I don't, I don't know. Like these plots just didn't mesh together well enough. Um, yeah. Like what if they, what if they just brought Talon, Talon or uh, the, with them or not Talon, uh, that this is uh uh shit. Uh, Laris. Why don't they just bring Laris along with and he Picard as he's healing and realizing that he does want intimacy. They, 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 they see something to each other for like the whole season. You got fucking 10 episodes and they clearly wanted this actress in there. I don't get it. Like how hard is it? They, they, they came up with some half-assed reason for everybody else to get back onto the starship. Why can't Talon just come along? Or get, because... Soong, get Soong the fuck out of there. Like none of this Soong stuff should have been in there. No. Um, his, his daughter, not Soji him. Like, you take yeah. all that out and you can actually spend time developing a relationship between him and Talon that might actually work. And I think don't have Talon look like Laris. It's just no. stupid. Have, have him just have actually a- develop a slight relationship or, you know, more of a relationship than he's had with someone in the past over the course of his healing and understand that he can have a life with someone. He can, you know, forgive himself and, and turn his life into what he's always wanted it to be, but he can't have it with this person who he develops this relationship with while traveling in the past. So he goes and now a healed man or, or more, more of a healed man. It goes with Talon or sorry, Laris, uh, when he gets back to the future, like, this all could have made more sense if they had a deeper relationship with someone, not surface level, and not waste so much time on this Soong bullshit that goes nowhere. Yeah, and they're really leaning on that mind merge they had. Like, I think that's the, if you if you put a gun to like Gold uh, uh, Smith and Shaban's head, they'd be like, well, you know, they did spend the whole episode in each other's head, and she healed him from the trauma, and there's like, so it's like, eh, but. It's just like, a short. It's, it's give her a short have Q just send him back to heal. Like it's not. You it's can not about like Picard, oh, there's some you can, guy you who's that to where like they have to you know exactly. She's having to, second like, build, thoughts, right? Like build their confidence and yeah, she's not sure she can go through with it. She's not like deeply traumatized, but she can help him through his issues while he helps hers. And it's yeah, there could have been this. Uh, you know, symbiotic relationship between all the different plot elements, and there just wasn't. Yeah. Anyway, like I said, others- I don't, I, I don't know how exactly to fix all the problems, but I just feel like, man, you had a writers' room full of people who, and that's the thing is, like, these people aren't ignorant of Star Trek history; they know enough to weave a lot of right. stuff into that works. I mean, they're just making shit. They're just making shit that's not for me. That's point blank period and and maybe maybe the you know like i i don't know if i started watching star trek the next generation as a 44 45 year old man that i am now if i'd have stuck with it for the for two seasons maybe i had to be a dumbass sure. 12 13 year old to really fall in love with that show uh and maybe there are dumbass 12 and 13 year olds right now they're idealistic and they're traumatized and they're like this world's a shithole and they got they want to know why they should hold out hope and this is a version of it that that makes sense to them in which case, Godspeed. <laughs> sure. As, yeah. as soon says, Godspeed, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I did not feel like the plot elements mesh. The other thing that they can't seem to mesh here is real sets and virtual sets. And yeah. it's never more apparent than this shot at the end where they show, they've just shown, they've just been having a conversation inside this atrium. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, I get that. That looks a certain way. And then they cut 
to a shot to prepare for a CG shot that they're going to do a big pullback from the atrium mm-hmm. out to show all of, you know, the, the chateau and everything. And you can tell they're standing on a green screen set on a CG set just because they need to mesh it with the other effect shot that they're about to do. Right. It just looks so bad. It looks so cheap. Maybe I will say that like we have screener copies. Uh, we saw that a little bit in foundation where some stuff that looked kind of nice. So maybe that looks better. Maybe that all does look God, better. I hope maybe, so. maybe the, God, the textures so. on the alien. will. so if you're like actually that alien person looked okay, it could be that we didn't see the final render. Cause, uh, cause I'm yeah. thinking like, yeah, if this looks bad and the 720 P shitty copy that we see, like if you're watching this on 4k, woof, but it might, it actually might be better. I don't know. It just hits what? that, that uncanny Valley. And I would much rather have a physical, a corny looking physical set than an uncanny Valley CG set any Agreed. day of the week. Give, give me William Shatner holding a penis shaped rock. That's obviously yeah. made out of foam over him holding some uncanny Valley that, almost looks like a real item right it just takes me out of it i will say though like i I, i'm not going to bag on effects too much because it could be that they're just unfinished and like you said god God, i hope so what what did you think they're getting at with the there's like a significant flash of a single star and i thought that should mean something like is that uh uh the borg queen's eternal monitoring of the gate is that uh i i i i I felt like it was supposed to mean something. And I didn't get it. I just didn't get it. Or maybe it's just a, a artistic flourish. I don't know. With the lookup motif that they constantly had, this has to be something that's more relevant to Picard himself. Or, or that piece of him, like finally completing the night sky. Um, mm. Maybe. I, I'm not sure exactly what they're getting at, but that's kind of where I was viewing it from. The lens is through you know, him uh, looking up. Yeah, I thought again the last. I I do feel like that this episode. It's too bad they couldn't end with the Q stuff. I thought that would have been a really great. But I guess it's like a little bit of all good things. Like the they had the Q resolution, and then they had Picard rejoining his crew, mm-hmm. uh, a, a a person who's been through an experience and has been improved by it. It's, it's been a truly transformative thing, and he's going to have a you know, or a new relationship with his crew, a new understanding with them. Um, I, unfortunately it just, it doesn't work nearly as well as it does. And, and all good things. Um, going to play poker with him. Yeah. 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 He's going to be jail. Call me jail. Now <laughs> I've been far too stuffy and formal. Yeah. And that's the end of the episode and the season. Do you have thoughts and opinions on the season as a whole? Do you know what they were getting at with the flashing star? Uh, are you still down bad with Gerardi syndrome? We want to know your story. Send it in to Picard at baldmove.com. Our hailing frequencies are open. Otherwise, uh, like, like I mentioned on the other podcast, like I imagine we'll get a ton of email and we'll have enough. But if we don't come back, it's because we didn't get any. People are like, fuck it. I'm out. See you in season three. Which, by the way, uh, again, I can't promise we're going to do season three as a episode by episode because like, who knows? Like if, if, if it comes out in the middle of foundation and Westworld and the boys or some, or some, some uh, for all mankind season four, probably not, but we certainly will be covering it like on our, uh, premium off the clock podcast. Cause I'm not, not going to watch season three of Picard. I didn't right. come all this way to bail out when they get the entire bridge crew back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe even Will Wheaton. Could be. 
I wouldn't mind seeing Will Wheaton one more time. What is a watcher? Or sorry, no. What is Who a traveler the need with a starship? Is what I want to know. Good fucking question. Anyway, uh, we will see you on the feedback episode or in season three. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. Later.